I read an article this week that uh, a man, after the last presidential election, he uh, turned the TV off, <laughs> turned the radio off, and never has not listened to the news since then. And he, go, he, he says he has to go in with headphones to uh, coffee shops or anywhere where the radio would be playing. Uh, he requires, I'm sure he's lost some friends in this, but uh, he requires anyone that comes and visits him, they cannot tell him anything about what's going on in the world. He lives in Ohio. Obviously, this happens in other parts of the country, other parts of the world, but this, he can get everything. And so what he said has happened is, one, he hasn't missed out on anything in the sense of communicating with people. Uh, he's learned the joy of being bored, which I think is sometimes our fear of being bored. And, uh, and what he says is he is less anxious and he has more peace. Uh, I realize uh, in my life that I, I'm good, probably like many of you, of just skimming articles in the news anymore. And so I get to just skim stuff. When I think it's not really important, I just skip over it. Um, and this is what happens many times when we get to the end of a, a book uh, in the Bible, is we get to the, the end and we just skip it. Like, all right, I've read all the great stuff, and now, like, Paul's just landing the plane, and so I'm done. We're going to go do something else. And so we're going to look at the last handful of verses in this book and I want you to see how significant they are that they really wrap up this book. Uh, so if you can turn to Ephesians 6 in your Bibles, if you don't have one, the blue and white Bibles, it's page 636. And I will read um, uh, Ephesians 6, 21 uh, through 24. So that, you may, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith. From God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. This is sort of like the credits in a movie. You get to the end and you realize, gosh, all, everything is already done, and you just walk out. And Paul ends, but he ends very significantly in this letter, like he does in all of his letters. And he mentions this uh, friend, a trusted partner, Tychicus from Asia. Um, he joined Paul's band of members and partners of ministry. What's fascinating about this man is that the Greek word that his name comes from uh, means lucky. So Paul is traveling with his companion, Lucky, while he writes one of the most in-depth books about election and predestination and God's sovereignty. <laughs> that is a little ironic to me. And he says that Tychicus will tell you everything. Um, Tychicus was probably the one who... Um, 
as Paul told him what to write, Tychicus was the one to put um, this down in writing as Paul told him what to say. That he will give a full report and he will, con- he will continue to be a part of, of Paul's ministry. Uh, Paul knows the value of having partners in ministry. Um, he continually always, when he is uh, traveling, he grabs people and they're always with him. And they're his companions um, in some very horrible, hard times. Uh, this is something that we can uh, learn from as people. Uh, especially when we live in this age of social media and the availability of news that we think if we're paying a little bit of attention to those things, then we actually know someone. We're actually somehow in a relationship with someone because uh, of what we see on social media, uh, which is drastically different than the reality. Uh, The reality is to know someone, you have to sit face-to-face with them, eye-to-eye, talk about real things, have the awkward silence when you really don't know what to do next. Uh, that is just a part of being in relationships with people. Tychicus is sent uh, to this church that he may encourage your heart. He's sent as someone to encourage them. And what does this take? It takes communication, correspondence, relationship, relaying of information. In fact, you really cannot have a relationship unless you communicate. He is a real person. Um, As he brings this letter, he is a real person who uh, can tell real stories about Paul and really communicate with them. Tychicus is a model of a loving brother, of a loving, caring, supportive brother to Paul in his ministry. And this is what this looks like. So really what what we can do is at the end, uh, Paul is really saying this, this is someone who sticks closer to me than a brother. And we can really look back through all the six chapters of Ephesians and see, oh, that's what it means to live out this truth of being adopted as a child of God. What does it look like? It looks like this man. Who else does it look like? Well, Paul and Katie were up here. It looks like them. If you have faith in Jesus, it looks like you. Somehow we think maybe it's that these people in the Bible live these magical lives instead of just really the reality of life that you and I live, of faith in Jesus, repentance of sin, developing and deepening relationships with people, dealing with conflict. Paul, as an educated and capable man, and faithful as he was, he really could have said, uh, you need people, but I don't, because I am Paul. And we all really would have read it and said, well, yeah, that's probably true was pretty outstanding in the level of education he had and his courage and bravery, ability to articulate and share the gospel. But he doesn't. He always says, this person was hugely helpful to me. In Philippians, he says, talks about those who are in uh, partnership with gospel ministry. 
We need people. And this is what living in faithfulness looks like. It is that we build relationships with people. Your faithfulness is not this narrow avenue where you are just striving to be faithful to God and you can ignore everyone around you. Faithfulness is connecting to the people around you and developing good relationships that take time. You cannot skim people like I skim the news and think, oh yeah, they're close. I know like maybe where they were born and what they like to do and sort of their age, we're pretty close. Do you know their hopes and dreams and fears? Have you walked with them through miserable seasons of their life or of your life? That's how you get to know someone. As Paul ends this letter, he goes on and he talks about these four things. He talks about peace and faith and love and grace, which really all of those things have been talked about in this book already. They've all been explained. And so when we get to the end, he's really just wrapping this book up so people can connect with, oh, peace. Oh, you talked about peace with God because in chapter two, we're born um, uh, dead in our sin and we're children of wrath. And so what is peace? Peace is God making peace through the great work of Jesus. Ephesians begins with a doxology, which is basically just a praise of God. And it says in Ephesians, the beginning, this is how he starts, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Which his ending, the ending of this book, is really similar to the beginning. It has an element of doxology, but it also has an element of benediction, which is God giving his blessing. It says, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who, are, who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. The letter ends with love, which is a theme in this letter. The love of God, the love of Christ, and the people of God call, being called to love each other. Love, peace, faith are really the most common themes through this book that Paul has just written. Peace. It says, peace be to the brothers. This is peace in relationship. Peace is not just a lack of hostility, uh, but peace is a full enjoyment of God and people. Through Christ, we are reconciled to God, and that's the only way that you have peace. And with that peace, then we, we're, we're in a place where we can have peace with the people around us. And the reason why is because the peace of God gives us security. If, if our thought is, I will have peace once this situation changes or once this conflict is over, you are aiming for the wrong kind of peace. Now, I, hopefully, those do get resolved, 
But the real peace that we long for is not a subjective peace. It is an objective peace. And that is justification. That we are made right with the God who made us. And we are adopted and welcomed into his family. Not because we have worked really hard for peace, but because of God's grace. Because he knows our weakness. Chapters 5 and 6 in this book talk about uh, friendships among the saints, talk about marriage and parent, parenting and work relationships. And how does peace, true peace, dwell in those relationships in your life? The peace that is known in Christ is to permeate all these relationships. This is how we truly know peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. What he's saying is uh, that throughout this book, it is the joining of the Jews and the Gentiles, and they can have peace not because they agree on everything, not because their opinions are the same or their preferences. They can have peace because this is the God they serve, the God of peace. And if you are married, if, you are, if you've had friends for a long time, you know you will not agree on everything. And when you get to the point in those relationships and you don't agree, you don't say, I guess it just ends it. You just realize God shaped them in a different way. This is the joy of being in the body of Christ. Your opinions and your preferences are different than your neighbor's. So what can bring you peace in that relationship? Not controlling them and convincing them that they have to think like you, but resting in, hey, we both serve the God of peace. We both trust in Jesus. So we can have peace. Because it's these two people groups who are both alienated from God that God has reconciled together only because of God's great work. Jesus even says in John 14 that, uh, he says, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. So we can understand that the peace that God gives is not the peace that many of us strive for in our relationships. That just, Don't make me angry, and then we'll have peace. It's not the peace they're talking about. God is the God of peace. Peace is to join together. Peace with God is you being joined with God. Peace with others is people being bound all together and trusting in this God of peace. That's what true peace is. And so what does this do? It allows us to appreciate when people have opinions or different views or preferences that we think are just not good. But they're in the boundary of they're fine, they're healthy, they're, they're, they're okay, but you have a different preference. You don't need to talk someone into having your preference. But you have the opportunity to ask them questions to get to know why do they think that? Why do they prefer that? 
He talks about peace, and then he moves on to love. Love for others is built on the love of God. And it is when you and I, when we can understand God's great love for his children, only then can we serve other people with true love. Otherwise, our love is really, it's a self-serving love that we want to, and this, I think every time someone gets married, this is just the way that people think. And it's normal, and as you grow in marriage, you sort of move out of it, and you realize that being married to someone, it really is, you've chosen someone to conflict with and serve the rest of your life. And in that, it's extending love to them. And hopefully that person is doing the same to you. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walk in love because we serve the God of love. Just like walk in peace because we serve the God of peace. Relationships will not fulfill you, whether it's marriage or friendships or close family relationships. Those will not fulfill you. Um, The thing that you really, you and I really long for is to be loved in a way that that can be a foundation in our life. And we will never, ever, ever be left. That's really what we long for. Uh, and our, our tendency is to somehow not understand, uh, just because of our weak faith, that we not understand that that is the love of God, and so we look for other people to fulfill that in us. And what we try to do is we try to shape them and control them so they will be the perfect person to love us. Because our love tends to be selfish. And maybe you've been around people who when you sit down with them and you talk to them, you, you understand that they understand the love and grace of God in a way that you do not. Because the way they can serve you or care for you or tell you the truth and conflict with you because they are secure in God's love. Relationships Marriages that are healthy have a level of sacrificial love. This is part of what it means to love. And then he talks about faith, the God, um, uh, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The source of peace and love and faith is God. Love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does this come from? The first two chapters of Ephesians, about the love of God, the never-ending, always-pursuing love of God for you. And then chapters 3 through 5 talk about the expression of love for each other, the unity of the church, because we're not all going to agree on things. This is the joy of being a part of a community. We're not all going to agree on things. But as you and I understand the love of God, we can extend true love. We can have true peace because we know what really unites us. 
And then Paul prays for the Ephesian church in chapter 3. Listen to his prayer, beginning the second half of verse 17. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is Paul's prayer for this Ephesian church, that they would know the deep and wide love of God. The source of all blessings, of all peace, of all love, is the grace of God the Father. And then he brings up grace. So he's talked about peace and love with faith. And then he mentions grace. And I think grace is one of those attributes that, especially uh, Christians, uh, we love to talk about, but we really have a hard time extending it. It's a wonderful thing. We talk about it. You know, maybe someone asks, is yours a grace-centered church? Are you, do you talk about God's grace? Yeah. But what does it mean for you actually to really extend it? Because many times extending grace hurts. And it's being selfless. And it's sacrificing something. It's not just this pretty picture we can hang up and say, yeah, we talk about grace, it's over there. Look at it. We'll all like spend a while just staring at it later. But to know being in a community, being in relationships with people, uh, we have to understand what does it mean to extend grace. These are relationships, these are attributes that are really helpful in relationships to know what true peace is and real love is and, and faith and grace. Uh, But we can't pursue those things outside of understanding uh, who God is. That God is the God of peace. God is the God of love. God is the one uh, who provides the strength for us to be gracious because God is the gracious one. Our grace never matches up to his. Never. Our friendships need these. Our peace gets tested when you are in conflict with a friend. Our love gets tested when uh, the one we love might not desire us. Our faith gets tested when things don't turn out the way we want. Our grace gets tested when situations demand it. I really see as Paul is ending this letter that I imagine he is, there's a part of him that it doesn't want to end the letter because he still wants to talk about these things because he's talked about them for six chapters already and he's ending and he's still talking about them. Peace and faith and grace and love. One writer says, this is more than a farewell greeting. It is a prayer for reconciliation. Paul longs to see the whole brotherhood of believers in Ephesus, Jews and Gentiles alike, at peace with each other in the one body of Christ. This is what Paul really wants to see. It's also really interesting as Paul ends this letter, uh, he he says why he wrote it. He says, so you can know what I'm doing. 
So we, we've spent six chapters talking about these deep theological truths, and Paul gets to the end, and he goes, oh, I wrote this so you can know what I'm doing. Ask the guy who dropped it off. He'll tell you everything. But he takes this opportunity to explain love and peace and grace and faith. Is that something that we do? Do we, do we take that opportunity to explain these things, to talk about these things. Paul was so gripped by the love of God that it drove him to be someone of wonderful, great faith. We are not to be like Paul. There's no command we're not, that we're supposed to be like Paul. Uh, what Paul does is he says, imitate me as I, am imitate, as I imitate God. And that's what you and I are pointed to. To understand love and peace and faith and grace, the only way to understand it is to understand the God of the Bible. So how do you do that? One, read the Bible. Two, be around people who read the Bible. Three, read the Bible with other people and pray. And you will be shaped in a way in these areas. You'll be confronted with your own uh, faulty, our own faulty understanding of these things. But we will grow in understanding the God of the Bible, his great love that never ends, his abounding grace that saved you and I out of our spiritual death, transformed us from uh, children of wrath to adopted heirs. He will uh, make us people of faith as we lean into him and trust in him. The God of the Bible is a great God. And the God of the Bible, knowing him, impacts all the relationships you and I will have. But it's getting them in the right order. Understanding who God is, allows us to understand how to extend grace and peace and love to the people around us. And as a church, I pray that these are characteristics that would mark our congregation, that would mark us as individuals in a church. Let me pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know our weakness and you don't uh, come and give us these uh, imperatives and commands and tell us to be someone, but you come and you transform us from the inside out. You make us into a new creation. You adopt us as your children. We are marked by your name. And we thank you that the result of that is our eyes and our hearts and what we're passionate about opens up in areas of love and faith and peace and grace. May we be people and a community that extends these things only because of the deep way we know and experience who God is to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.